Life Audio. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. We are on week eight. Rachel, you are back with us this week. We I am back. Week eight. Let's it's, do it. It's rock been, and roll. We've had we've had only us and <laughs> the Word of God, so it's actually been fine. But I we, think you're going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> we did, miss, and we're glad you're here. I missed you all as well. Yes. <laughs> Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And hey, we've got a couple of announcements that we want everybody to know. So the first one is we have about a year of data on this podcast of a certain kind of way of like tracking your stats. So it's been one year. Rachel, drum roll, please. We've had over 350,000 downloads. Holy smoke. Last year from all over the world. So you guys, we are so glad you're with us. You're so We're so glad that you keep listening and that you use this as a little bit of encouragement in your week. We love, love having you love doing this work together. The other announcement is, and Rachel knows this too, because she's always a big help and knows and prays when I'm in a writing season. We've got, I've got a book coming out in March called Not What I Signed Up For. And we just launched the intro in chapter one. You can go to the, I know, but the landing page is going to be in the notes. It's over on my website. And if you go over there, you can grab the first chapter. If you want to just take a look at what it's about. I've so appreciated your responses already to reading the first chapter Many of you who are telling me you understand what a not what I signed up for season feels like and you're looking forward to journeying together. We will be studying 
Joseph together in that book. So super excited about that as well. The book comes out March 19th. I know that feels like it's forever away, but it will be here in a blink of an eye. So would love for you guys to go check that out and even pre-order it if you want. So, all right. Now that we've got our announcements underway. And Rachel, do you have any announcements you need to make? No, I'm also pumped about the book, though. So, <laughs> okay, let's go. Awesome. Let's write. Rach, is it almost finals week where you are? Tell us, uh, my, tell oh us my what word. it's like yes, in the please. college and of college students. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us all. <laughs> um, here's the thing. I I love Thanksgiving as a holiday and as a principle, but as a like massive interruption right towards the end of a semester, it's completely like disastrous. disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> the logistics. Not they gone. leave for Thanksgiving and they come back and then it's all gone and finals happens. So Jesus take the wheel. But you know what? It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Well, I have two college students of my own, two of my own in my own little, you know, nest. And I feel like they leave for Thanksgiving and they're back in one blink of an eye, in yeah. one shake of a <laughs> lamb's tail, as they say. They are already back. I'm like, why are we here? You're here and then you're going to be right back again. So looking forward to that. It was easy to say goodbye because I knew that they were going to go take their take their finals and come on back. So mm-hmm. so pray for us and pray for all of the yes. 20-year-olds of America. We're very stressed at yes. this point in time. They are stressed. <laughs> um, okay, we will. Good, good, good point. Good perspective. All right. So for those of you guys who listen to our Bible reading each week, which drops the day before this study comes out, you know that we read to you a fascinating passage that I have not read in a while. So I was so excited to read it again. You know what? Honestly, reading something like Daniel chapter two, which we did in the, the reading, reminds you, you got to really read the whole Bible. Like if you, haven't, <laughs> if you haven't read the whole Bible in a while, you should. If you've never read the whole Bible, which is many people, you should because there's these little nuggets and little things along the way that you're like, what is going on here? And it's fascinating And you chose this, Rachel, when you chose this highlight reel, you chose this chapter. And I cannot wait to hear more about it. So let's do a flyover because it's fun. We just read it. Let's both say in two sentences, what is going on in Daniel chapter two? You only get two sentences to to give your flyover. King maybe has a dream. Everybody freaks out. Nobody can interpret it. Cue Daniel. He does. And it's awesome. The end. Saying it, saying it fast doesn't make it too <laughs> I was going to say, a, all right, there's uh, a dream about a kingdom and that's a big deal. That That's actually, that's great. And I was going to say something more like God is God, no matter what. And he's sovereign and expressing his great plan from beginning to end. So that's my, that's my very high flyover. But let's dig in, shall we? Let's get a little let's, bit more. Let's. Let's get a little more intense about what actually happens. So can you give us just a look, because you do this every week, can you just give us a little context? Where are we in this story? Because we are making it through the Old Testament for sure. Yeah, I think some might be curious as to why this passage, I mean, if you're, it's it's absolutely insane, first of all, to pretend to cover the Old Testament in just nine sessions. But you know what, <laughs> here we are doing it. And of those nine, why this passage? And you're going to see, I think there are actually pretty good reasons for this, but this is more of an underdog passage. Partly I'm biased. I love the book of Daniel. It might be one of my most, it might be my most favorite book in the Old Testament Mm. and up there in the Bible as a whole. I think it's so helpful. It's really fun to read. It's acid trippy enough that it's interesting, but not so crazy that you're lost the whole time. Yeah. And this is actually before a lot of the popular action happens in Daniel. So uh, if you've heard of Daniel in the lion's den or Rack Shack and Benny, 
and the the fiery furnace. That hasn't happened no, yet. As known via VeggieTales. Via VeggieTales. Well, what's cool about Daniel 2 is that not only is there a plot, but there's prophecy. And that's like a lot of times in scripture, those are separated. So you have like narratives and prophecies. And then it's like hard to put those together. But right here in this chapter, we have a plot, right? We have stuff going on and a prophecy that kind of connects to, you know, all the way to us, right? So, yeah. um, so, so in terms right. of how this, yeah, sorry. So in terms of how this fits together, our passage today really takes place during one of the most traumatic seasons in the history of God's people, because we've, we've been talking about King David, which was kind of the, the peak. That was the golden age of Israel's history. Not a perfect age by any means, but that was about as good as it got. And then generations of kings after David were just corrupt and wicked. And we see that not just the kings, but God's people are dead set on rejecting God as their true king. So he allows the Jews to be conquered and exiled by the big, bad superpower of Babylon, who was the great kind of world power at the time. And there were several waves of deportation where they basically stole Israelite citizens out of Israel and took them back to Babylon. And in the first round, there was a Jewish teenager named Daniel Mm. who was kidnapped along with a bunch of his high school buddies and taken to Babylon's capital city. And as it turns out, they were honor students. So these were the AP guys. So they were smart and they're competent. And it wasn't very long before these four guys were very quickly recruited to work in the Babylonian government. And they're serving faithfully in their new responsibilities. They're navigating how to stay faithful to God while also be a part of the new culture that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never stop being Jews and they never stop worshiping the God of Israel, even in this very new cultural setting. And then one night, the king of Babylon has this dream. And mm-hmm. that's where we get to our story today. Mm-hmm. So Nebuchadnezzar is our king and he's got this dream. And I mean, talk about setting the scene. You know, we've got this like you imagine him surrounded by these people it really does feel like every movie you've ever watched that has kings in it, where there's kind of the court around the king. And it says that he has magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers. So we've got this sense of like a king who's looking for direction, a king who's looking for wisdom. And then he has this disconcerting dream. And none of these guys say that they can interpret it. Well, because he won't tell them the dream. Like if you didn't correct that, it's important to catch <laughs> that part of it. You know, this is why I love doing Bible study like this, because it's like, wait, slow down. Can you repeat what happened in that chapter that you just read? So you can keep your mind from like wandering. You want to be able to tell somebody, here's what's going on, right? So he wants them, he wants them to tell him the dream and then interpret the dream. So he must be on to these guys and be a little bit like, yeah, clearly he's feeling a little suspicious. I mean, like, (laughs) Like, this is like the president president of America sitting down with his cabinet and saying, all right, give me direction on this very complex foreign policy issue. And they're like, which one? He says, you tell me, which one am I thinking about? (laughs) Well, you claim to be magicians, right? I mean, so this is part of it is that they've all got this claim on some sort of spiritual power or wisdom. And then he accuses them of being misleading and wicked. And so obviously things are not great in the court, right? And so as per usual kings of the Old Testament and maybe kings of today, he doesn't just want to punish the guys who won't help him there. He's like, all the wise men, kill them all, wise men, kill them all. Nobody's wise, you know? And this is how we find Daniel, right? This is because they're after, they come to get Daniel and his friends who are, like says in chapter one, 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters, 10 times more wise. So we pick up the story there and Daniel, of course, comes to, comes to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's aid. Yep, sure does. And I think one of the, just in terms of kind of observing what stands out to me in the chapter itself, Daniel's response to Arioch, who is the commander who comes to arrest him, 
I think is so insightful. I think part of why I love Daniel so much is I think it's probably the most helpful book of the Bible, arguably for for following God in this cultural moment mm-hmm. of like how do you engage culture winsomely and faithfully and be faithful to God and so say yes to what you say to, need to say yes to and say no to what you need to say no to. And he engages Ariok with wisdom and tact is the language scripture uses, mm-hmm. which is such a fascinating posture that I think is not often used to describe Christians in the public sphere mm-hmm. in at least American culture. And I that's that's a tragedy. I mean, because this is clearly modeled for us in scripture. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Well, I mean, we can't get into this today, but I will say, since we just talked about the book, the other guy is like, this is Joseph. So back in way back in Genesis, you get a similar thing happening where regardless of whether the king or the leader is wicked or good, they prosper because of the righteousness of the person who's guiding them, giving them wisdom, whatever, serving them. And it's just really fascinating, especially in our day, because I think we can we can hype up ministry as the best way to be a Christian, when in reality, some of the biggest and best things that are happening all through Scripture are people who are called to civil service, to government, to, you know, people that they're serving powerful leaders who maybe, and the powerful leaders aren't following God. I mean, that's what's mm-hmm. interesting about some of these situations. So that's a bunny trail. I'm not going to go down that mm-hmm. right now. But then I love that Daniel then praises God, another theme we see is like this ability to be confident to not only praise and worship God on his own, but also to give God glory in front of Nebuchadnezzar. Like he doesn't claim to have any power of his own. He clearly talks about who God is, such a convicting and courageous way of engaging in the world for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. What in the dream specifically, what are your kind of initial Mm -hmm. thoughts? Oh my gosh, Josh. Well, And maybe you can fill this in because, of course, as I'm listening to it and I've studied it before. And for those of you who have not read this chapter before or you haven't read it in a long time, this is where why I always harp on you to have an actual study Bible, not just an application Bible, not just a devotional Bible. Those things are great. But a study Bible can help you so that you don't go off a weird deep end. You don't go off into some (laughs) like other place. And it's very, very clear that what's happening in the dream is that Daniel is interpreting future kingdoms. What is going to happen in future kingdoms that we know in world history are actual empires that are coming. And what, of course, comes to, but what comes to my mind is like the why, like, and maybe you can answer this, Rachel, if you studied Daniel recently, like, why was it important that King Nebuchadnezzar knew these things? 
is just really interesting. So we've got sort of this this symbol and picture of kingdoms to come. And then we've got the great kingdom, this this rock, right, that comes and sort of demolishes everything is bigger than all the other things, right? So tell us what else stands out to you about that in the dream. And then we'll talk about what it means. Yeah, I mean, I think the the historically nerdy part of me immediately wants to know, like, okay, how did this actually play out in in real time? So we've got these pretty clear delineations. There's the head of gold, the chest of silver, the thighs of bronze, and the legs of iron. And this then, but then the the, the scene changes though. It's right the rock that's not cut from human hands. This mm-hmm. kingdom that becomes kind of the whole earth, and so. This theme of a kingdom is going to be really important mm-hmm. in Daniel and the way that kingdoms collide with of the earth can collide with God's kingdom and mm-hmm. what happens in that. But for all you history nerds out there, it's worth noting that I think part of what's fun about the book of Daniel, especially, is the prophecies of Daniel are the easiest to like kind of follow the play by play historically where you can be like, oh, my goodness, that's exactly what he was talking <laughs> about. So. So Babylon, right, the, the empire that Nebuchadnezzar is ruling over. Ranges for about 625 to 539 BC. They're followed by the Medo Persians who show up later in Daniel. Mm. That's the, the chest of silver. That empire goes a few hundred years. Then around 331, the empire of the, the thighs of bronze is Alexander the Great in Greece, right? So Alexander the Great later in Daniel also gets a shout out. And so the Greeks reign for a while, so about mm. 63 BC. And then the leg of iron and the feet of iron and clay is the, the is the power of Rome. And of course, there's a lot that happens during the power of Rome, but who shows up during the Roman Empire? Cue the rock cut out of the mountain, but not mm-hmm. cut by human hands. Mm. What about the iron and clay toes? Yeah. So uh, in some of my studies of Daniel, basically that's talking about kind of in the, there were the early stages of the Roman Empire and the later stages mm-hmm. where there was some more political division in Rome. There were several generals that ended up kind of having a lot of power and that there was not the same unity within the empire that there had been in the earlier days. So some of the commentators I've read, that's how they've understood that. Mm. So I feel like a lot of people will use this to talk about the idea that the Bible does give us time periods, dispensations, and that we can interpret what's going to happen based on the fact that there is interpretation going on here, that we can continue that. What is your stance on that? Are you ready just to chat about that? Ooh, let's just dive deep. <laughs> the short answer is that is not the way you want to read everything all the time or even most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Daniel, in a lot of ways, is actually kind of the exception to the rule because we see how some of the political pieces that come into line But what's important to recognize is the point of biblical prophecy is never actually to give you a timeline. Mm. Um, The point of the timeline is simply to kind of after the fact verify what was said. Mm -hmm. But it's not because the Bible cares about you having exact dates of when X, Y and Z is going to happen Mm -hmm. and when the apocalypse is going to happen and and whatever however people use that. And if you look at this dream, right, the point of the prophecy is not the statue. Mm -hmm. The point is the rock. And what happens when the rock encounters the statue. And so I think a lot of times when people get in the weeds and prophecy, they're missing the whole point of the prophetic mm-hmm. encounter. And so I think if you keep the main thing, the main thing, you're going to dodge a lot of the funkiness while still being able to kind of get into what's exciting and interesting in prophetic literature. I love that. That's so good. And I love what you just said here, too, about, you know, how how we interpret this part of the iron and the the, the toes of iron mixed with clay as the Roman Empire, which is when Jesus comes onto the scene, right? So now Hugh we have Jesus. the rock, Hugh Jesus. So 
the rock ushers in this eternal kingdom, right? And that means that we ourselves are are operating in that age. That is what we get to see, right? So this is, and you sort of titled this week, The Unexpected Kingdom. So we kind of, yeah. that's what's so cool about this chapter is that like, as you get into it, you're like, wait a second, this is really, really direct, really direct about what's going to happen when Jesus comes and when that kingdom is established. What do you think about the the feeling that people I think sometimes have that the kingdom of God is what we will realize when Jesus comes back, as opposed to the kingdom of God is now? What is What do you say about that? I would say this is Mark chapter one, verse 14. And these are the first words that, as far as I can tell, Jesus speaks in the gospel of Mark, which is also by a lot, a lot of accounts, probably the first gospel written, the actually the oldest one. He says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Mm. So just saying, per Jesus, the good news, the euangelion, the gospel, that's what that word literally is of God, is that the kingdom of God is breaking in Mm. and it has already started. That process has begun with Jesus and it will Mm. be completed. Uh, in the fullness of time and the Lord's return. But the good news of God is God's kingdom is going to win, basically. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom of God's a hugely important theme throughout the whole Bible. And particularly interesting if you think about kind of where Daniel is situated, because Daniel was alive when the kingdom of Israel collapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like that God's promise to David that we had talked about that his kingdom would never end, that God's problem to Abraham, that the kings would come from his line, right? It looks like all of those promises just collapse into dust mm. with the complete annihilation of Jerusalem. And here, Nebuchadnezzar is reveal, has this dream that reveals that, no, God's kingdom is not done, actually. Mm. And in mm. fact, God's kingdom is the one that is always going to vanquish the unjust, oppressive powers of the world and that God's kingdom actually reigns. And that is the good news that Jesus proclaims, which, in fact, even that language of good news, euangelion, where we get gospel, that was a political word used mm-hmm. by Greeks and Romans. It would have been recognized as such. So, for example, Caesar was believed to be a god. So when Caesar Augustus was born in 9 BC, one commentator says that his birth signaled the beginning of the good news for the world. That's the announcement that goes out. Or when a conquering Roman official or a general would enter a town that they had just taken over, somebody would run ahead and say, hey, good news. Mm-hmm. Caesar has won the battle and he reigns now and he's bringing about this new order. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and says, I have good news, the kingdom of God is here. There is literally a new sheriff in town <laughs> and the promise of Daniel has has come to pass. Mm-hmm. Gosh, so good. I love that. OK, so what does this mean for you? Like when we because I think there was a lot of principles we could take from that. I love what you said about Remember that the rock is the hero of the story. That's the actual point of the dream, right? And what happens in the midst of it is, Dan- by the way, um, Daniel saves all the wise men of Babylon. Like that also happens right now. You know, we see sort of the righteousness of God moving through this this space in this in this story. But what does this mean for you? Like when you read this and think about how does this matter to you, you know, three days from now when you're sitting in traffic? I think especially now, I'm not sure when y'all are going to be listening to this, but we're just about to start Advent. We're a week out. And actually, the point of Advent is not so much about waiting for baby Jesus, but waiting for the second coming of King Jesus Mm. to fully realize his kingdom. And so we're a people who wait Mm. for the fullness of God's kingdom. 
but we we wait with real hope, kind of hope that has teeth because we know that that Jesus wins mm. and that the goodness of God reigns. And so as kind of meta, I guess, as that is, I'm about to go in a very stressful week of trying to gear kids up for finals week. And there's something very stabilizing about coming back to the place of, you know, God's kingdom wins. Jesus reigns. Jesus is king. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I love what you shared about good news when I think about what it means for me. And I think about the Christmas story that's so familiar and just all the joy that's wrapped around the Christmas story. And, you know, whenever I think about the kingdom of God, the the image that comes to mind is the image from Narnia. If you've seen the movies or read the books, you know, there's this sense that all of Narnia is frozen over and it's this place of just lifeless, you know, it's lifeless and cold and stark. But the the battle's already been won. The kingdom is advancing. Spring is coming the whole time. But if you're in the middle of winter, you can't see that spring is coming. But at the end of the day, it is, right? It is coming. And the reminder that we are these, this is like, I have one little life, one little blink of an eye on earth, and I'm part of a big, great story where the kingdom is coming. It's it's already happening. And yeah, for some reason, that is a settling idea because it maybe puts all the stressors in perspective. And it helps me ask the question, am I living like a person who knows a king and knows a kingdom? Or am I living like I'm on my own and I'm, you know, out here in this harsh, harsh world by myself? Spoiler alert, guys, we know how it ends. <laughs> and that's supposed to change everything. Right, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But our whole life is a struggle of belief and unbelief and of doubt and of fear and of times and moments of, you know, great courage. Mm-hmm. And so... We can stop, though, and say, oh, man, every time we're reminded of who Jesus is and, and all the ways that the whole Bible speaks of his coming hundreds of years, thousands of years before he came, it's so beautiful and so true. Mm-hmm. So that's our word for you guys today. Perfect way to kind of we are getting right into Advent. So and we're going to wrap mm-hmm. up next week with week nine in the book of Isaiah. So we're looking forward to seeing you guys then. Talk soon. All right. Sounds good. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.